2020 was a year unlike any other. Today, we're sharing the top lessons we've learned along the way and how you can apply them this year. I'm your host, Brian Fawcett, and this is IT Availability Now, the show that tells stories of business resilience from the people who keep the digital world available. For today's discussion, uh, I'm joined by Chris Butler, Lead Principal Consultant, Resilience and Security at SunGuard AS. We're going to distill the best advice and takeaways we learned last year around availability and resilience from different areas of risk to gaining more control and flexibility in the cloud, including steps you can take to avoid disruption in the coming months. Chris, thanks for being here. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right into it. Uh, In your opinion, what was the biggest disaster recovery, business continuity-focused takeaway from the past year? Well, it's it's certainly been a challenging and fascinating year, hasn't it? Uh, For me, the biggest lesson is possibly the danger of of multiple disasters and and how companies uh, need to plan for them and how companies in fact can can they determine what their worst case scenario type of event is you know in past years we may have seen a single event with multiple impacts, for example, a hurricane that causes both flooding and power outages. It's still one event, it's the hurricane. Or you can have multiple events with multiple impacts, for example, extreme weather, which causes a power outage. And then that could be combined with the pandemic that we've all experienced in the last year. Or talking of the pandemic, perhaps a company that is dealing with the issues around the pandemic and then suffers a cyber attack or an IT disruption. And we've seen a few of those. They weren't widespread last year, but it still happened to a few companies. And 2020 has certainly stress-tested people's organizational BC and DR plans with multiple simultaneous impacts in those disasters. There's been COVID itself, the the, the pandemic. Uh, The 2020 Atlantic hurricane season was the busiest season on record. I think we saw 30 named storms, which is the highest on record, 13 hurricanes, which is the second highest on record, and six major hurricanes, which tied for the second highest on, on record. We've seen wildfires up and down the western United States and uh, down under in Australia. Uh, we've seen Dereco in Midwest in, in, in August. We've seen UK storms uh, like Ellen and Francis. And as we record this, we're expecting another beast from the east to hit northern Europe and the United Kingdom. We've had flooding across Asia and the Middle East. For example, a power outage in Mumbai in India left millions without power for hours. And we've also seen a number of high-profile cyber attacks. And the biggest ones that we've noticed have been you know, Garmin, Honda, and Endemol, which is a, a multinational media company. So this has opened a lot of eyes in companies to the importance of workforce availability, uh, the flexibility needed for technology, and testing it to make sure that it all works. And you know, and this is complex then to plan for when you look at trying to combine these areas. Yeah, you know, I, I think back uh, our colleague uh, Garish Dadge, he he wrote an excellent piece all about this, um, and, and and we can link to it on the episode page. But it gives several actions to think about. Um, updating your recovery plans to factor in where your employees are working, uh, you know, right now. You know, for instance, if your recovery plan assumes employees are present uh, in your data center, what happens if all of your employees are now working remotely? You know, your recovery plan must adapt. Concentration uh, risk is another factor to consider. It's possible that your whole recovery team could be affected by that hurricane or a blackout or other disaster in the same region. You know, a lot of what you just spoke about. Uh, and, and by putting all of your eggs in a single basket, you put yourself at greater risk if something goes wrong. And, and finally, uh, Garish mentioned uh, in, in, the, in the piece, anticipating supply chain issues. 
right? If, if a piece of hardware breaks down, it could be months before you can get your hands on a replacement part. So remaining flexible with your technology will really enable you to adapt and evolve as needed. Yeah, absolutely. It's really important, I think, for, for um, our listeners to think about reading a bit more on this and diving a bit deeper into those those points. Well, how about you, Brian? You've talked to several of our SunGuard AS colleagues about what they're seeing and hearing. What, what was your biggest takeaway from, from last year? Yeah, uh, for me, it's, it's the challenges companies are facing with the cloud. You know, the, the pandemic accelerated cloud adoption with, with everyone working remote. As it stands, the IT landscape is, is fragmented among private cloud, public cloud, and, and multi-cloud. And most organizations are using some combination of public and private clouds. We have 87% of them utilize a hybrid cloud strategy. Some 76% of businesses have at least one private cloud, while some organizations can have three to five clouds. So when it comes to cloud usage, companies aren't aren't just concerned about performance. They're, they're focused on optimizing spend as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is where the SunGuard AS private cloud offering and our, our partnership with Megaport really comes into play. This private cloud gives uh, enterprises much more control, gives them commercial and service flexibility, which is so important. Uh, it gives them security, uh, recoverability, of course, one of our core uh, skills and ex- in our company experience, and the ability finally to focus on the core business functions. So by partnering with uh, Megaport, we're able to provide that uh, you know, essential, secure, on-demand and scalable connectivity across those cloud providers, you know, some of whom are lead, the world-leading cloud providers, and that allows our customers then to support hybrid and multi-cloud workloads, as you've just been describing. Exactly. I, I actually interviewed representatives from Megaport, Dell, VMware, of course, some of our SunGuard AS uh, representatives as well, and we, we talked about those offerings. And for anyone who wants to, to learn more, I encourage you to go listen to those episodes. We can include that as well in, in the episode notes too. Flipping it back to you, Chris, what, what other takeaways do you have from 2020 and, and how can our listeners uh, be helped uh, in 2021? Yeah, you mentioned earlier this supply chain concentration risk, actually. And I think um, talking about partners is, 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 is really where we need to be taking this conversation next with with um, you know, our customers and, with, and actually all enterprises need to be having that, that conversation you know, people need to think much more deeply about their third-party providers, their their ecosystem, their network. The pandemic last year, well, the ongoing pandemic, really, we should call it, uh, you know, it's highlighted third-party risk in a way that um, hasn't been experienced before. Some have handled this disruption to their supply chains better than others. Uh, but of course, if you're a company whose third-party providers have had to, you know, reduce their services or their performance or, or lockdown uh, then you know, that's going to have an impact on 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 your organisations. It, it's um, you may be operating fine yourself, but your third parties might not, and there's an impact there to be considered. We've certainly across here in the United Kingdom seen differences in the performance of customers. Uh, and I give you the example of call centres. Uh, we've had some customers whose staff are working from home, and others whose staff are still working from an established office environment. And the performance difference has been marked, and, and this is their own assessment of how. That difference has, has has given them a competitive advantage in some cases, and in some cases, those that sort of third party for them has been our own workplace recovery sites. We've also been seeing an increased 
demand for supply chain assurance uh, from some of our customers, uh, particularly from a business continuity perspective. And um, some companies won't succeed in winning business unless they can demonstrate they have that resilience in their own supply chain. And you might be you know, above or below some, in, in somebody's supply chain. A very good example of this would be in the financial sector. You know, financial, the financial sector is obviously highly regulated. Uh, they extensively use, this comes back to your cloud point, actually, you know, extensively use third parties, whether it's technology service providers, you know, even as something as simple as an API, all the way through to payment providers. They're cloud service providers, or indeed a full managed service provider. It's a very complex network, uh, and therefore much more fragile when you get to these levels of disruptions. And where the financial sector regulators lead, we often see other regulators follow. So effectively, companies need to really check in on the resilience of their partners in their supply chain and actually to expect the same questions coming their way from, from their customers as well. That's a great one. I'm, I'm glad you brought up you know, expecting those same questions from your customers because I, I, our customers are, are seeing a lot of that. Talk a little bit about what questions companies should be asking their partners. Sure. So at the most basic level, you know, people used to say, have you got a plan? And if, this, if the answer was, yes, I've got a business continuity plan, that kind of ticked the box. But you need to go way beyond that now because the plan, you've no idea how effective the plan is, whether it covers all the right angles. So you need to ask the sorts of questions that go beyond just having a plan. You know, is it actionable and well understood? Do they test it? How do they test it? How often do they test it? Who's involved in testing that plan? Uh, there's an old military adage that says no plan survives contact with the enemy. Well, you've got to do testing to make sure you've got some confidence that your plan uh, will work. You've also got to assess the effectiveness duration of, dis- of different disruption response strategies. You know, how long can a plan or their multiple plans withstand a disruption? Or are they only good enough for the first phase, if you like? Do suppliers have those strategies in place to overcome disturbances and disruptions for a much longer period, 60, 90, or more days, you know, six months. We're just about into 12 months of this this pandemic. And then looking at questions to identify concentration risk. So are your suppliers geographically dispersed or are they all situated in the same region? You know, in the early stages of the pandemic, we saw issues with factory supply coming out of the Far East, uh, where, where obviously the pandemic hit first. And are the facilities and workers that support the products and services that they provide you, are they all located in the single area or are they also uh, in different regions? So there's a number of questions, I think, that really to get into the detail uh, that they ought to ask their, their supply chain. That's great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, switching gears a, a little bit here, sharing maybe my final takeaway here from, from 2020, and it's around cybersecurity. You've talked to and mentioned a bit about cyber attacks and how they were up this year with hackers taking advantage of the distraction and vulnerabilities of, of working from home. In fact, according to the FBI Cyber Division uh, and its Internet Crime Complaint Center, they received 3,000 to 4,000 cybersecurity complaints each day. Uh, it was receiving just 1,000 daily complaints before the pandemic. So you can see the dramatic increase. Uh, and if you're one of the victims, recovering can be more difficult uh, than many companies realize. And, and, th- and there's more to do this year if you want to protect yourself. Uh, you know, for example, if you get hit with ransomware, you might think, okay, let's, let's just pay the ransom. But there's a new advisory from the Office of Foreign Assets Control uh, in the U.S., that says you could get hit with sanctions if you pay ransom to certain groups. Um, or let's say your data is compromised. Many organizations assume their DR plan will help them recover 
compromised data after a cyber attack. While that seems logical, considering a cyber attack is a disaster, the big takeaway here uh, is that it actually won't. The, the reality is that compromised data recovery is 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 very uh, a very different recovery case. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's absolutely correct. You've got different um, you've got a different triggering event, and you've got a different impact on your production environment. And, and and while you know DR plan will look to restore data from the most recent backup, uh, and it's important to say that having a backup is an important defense against ransomware. If that backup is compromised, restoring it uh, would be a big mistake. So it's, it's it's really important to establish you know a suitable approach to this compromised data recovery and and to um, establish you know, a recovery architecture that follows what we would call a 3-2-1-1 approach. That means you need to have three areas of separation that look at the sort of people, the process, and the technology. You need to have two recovery strategies. Uh, one, focusing on your data to make sure you've got strategies that will both back up and then restore what you've identified as your, your vital data. And that implies you've got to understand what your vital data actually is in the first place. And the second recovery strategy would be a system recovery strategy that allows you to implement application and system recovery. And the first of the two ones, if that doesn't sound too complex, is is maintain one off-network or immutable copy of your data at a minimum. Uh, And then also you need one off-network secure environment for analysis clean copy identification and recovery validation activities you absolutely have to do before repatriating data back into your production environment or into a indeed a, a new production environment if, if that's what is, is necessary. Yeah, exactly. And thanks for going back through that because I remember talking to our colleague, John Beatty earlier this year uh, in, in other podcasts exactly on this topic. And an, another one we can link uh, to and, and share that full episode uh, in the notes here for this episode. So, you know, you as listeners can, can learn more about the 3211 recovery architecture. Well, Chris, it's, it's been quite a year. Uh, thanks for joining me today. It was a great conversation. Yeah, Brian, really, really, really interesting conversation. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me again. Look forward to to chatting next time. Chris Butler is Lead Principal Consultant, Resilience and Security at SunGuard AS. Uh, for all our listeners out there, be sure to check out the links uh, that I've mentioned here. We'll have them in the show notes for you to dive deeper on how these topics and trends are affecting your business and steps you can take now to have a more resilient 2021. You can find the show notes for this episode at sunguardas.com slash IT availability now. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. I'm your host, Brian Fawcett, and until next time, stay available.